The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, and it is that time of year. The best episode every single year as we cover our season predictions tonight. We're talking awards. We're talking playoffs. We're talking everything in between. It is the best show of the year. And if we're all wrong, then it's still one of the best shows of the year because we just completely forget about it and don't ever acknowledge it again. But if we're right... Uh, yeah, exactly. We never speak of it. But if we're right, we get to take our victory lap. So it is going to be a wild ride. Oh, and of course, the best part of the best episode, bold predictions. Um, and, you know, Ryan, Ryan loves himself a good bold prediction. So it's going mm-hmm. to be a wild ride tonight. But also, if you listen to our last episode, which you should have, we still have the Nats to cover. So it will be our Nats team preview episode as well. So we got a lot coming at you. So Buckle in and settle in, grab some popcorn, and let your ears be blessed by the sounds of my lovely co-host and myself, of course. I mean, I'm here too. But Amanda and Ron, you can follow them on Twitter at we are all Shack and at a white seven eight seven seven. Myself at the Coach Moose and the show at Half Street High Heat. Amanda, Ryan, what's going on? Not too much. Looking forward to real baseball. You know what I'm most looking forward to about the season starting is the ability to watch the damn team on television, which, you know, Madison won't let us do during spring training. So as much as I love the Nationals, it's very hard to follow them in spring training because all you can do is listen to it on the radio. So very excited to have baseball available to me on television every night. Again, yeah, I really the best want- time of the year. I really wanted to call out of work today and go to the exhibition game and just get like stupid, nice seats for no reason. Mm. And I'm like slightly regretting not doing it, but then, you know, I think a little bit harder and I don't care. Um, but <laughs> then I'm like, it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. yeah I am. Um, I was just telling you guys before we started recording that my week is hellish. Like I have no time to do anything this week for various reasons. So I don't get to, not only did I not get to go watch the exhibition today, but I also don't get to go 
to opening day, which is heartbreaking, but I will be down there in the next couple of weeks. I just don't exactly. The Nats don't deserve our money anyways. It's an excellent point. You're not wrong. Yeah. Ryan, what's going on with you? I am excited for baseball. It's my favorite time of year. It will be the show comes out. So it always gets me ready to go. I've, I've, I've fixed the Nats. We can do an entire episode about the moves I made as a Nats GM, but (laughs) weather gets great. Baseball's back. I'm so excited. It's such a great time because hope is in the air. Anything can happen except for us Nats fans. We're already eliminated <laughs> from the playoffs. Right. <laughs> I saw somebody today low. ask a question that was like, what would it need to happen for the Nats to get to the playoffs this year? I'm like, there's nothing. There's like a, what, like an asteroid impact. Like, yeah, I, I was going to say 24 <laughs> other teams like implode. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I just I can't even believe that was a real question. Like, come on, people. Yep. Ryan, as far as uh, fixing the Nats, I'm not really sure the Orioles are going to go for Steven Strasburg or Grayson Rodriguez straight up. You might have trouble with that in real life, but I encourage you to give it your best shot. Well, here's the thing. I just salary dumped him to the Dodgers. <laughs> I just I just got rid of that albatross of a contract. So the Nats fans have been furious at me. It was um, like the episode of The Office where you trade like magic beans for a telescope. <laughs> like you just barter, barter <laughs> through the entire yard, yard sale salary dumped you know to the dodgers for a prospect who, who, like is 16 trade him to you know this and then eventually end up with grayson rodriguez and then grayson That's- rodriguez tears his ucl and like after we give him 400 million dollars and then it's like mm-hmm. we're back with the magic beans so yeah, it's hard not to. Every time I see something, I'm almost, I don't know, Cade Cavalli, that whole thing is killing me. Like, I was so excited about Cavalli. It was like one of the bright spots. And I'm like, of course, of course, he needs Tommy John and won't play this year, of course. I was going to say, always mm, something with this team. Do I always say, something. Do I say, yeah, I'll say it. Eh. Yeah, I'll say it. Uh, I just wasn't <laughs> very high on Cavalli to begin with. And not that you didn't have any expectations this year, or not high ones anyway. I didn't have high ones. I, I like, oh boy, we'll save it for another episode because we have a long episode to get through. But, and I know Ryan knows this, and I'm sure you do too, Amanda. I'm not saying you don't, but like just the collective mindset of Nats Twitter, basically, because that's obviously where we get the majority of our interaction with Nats fans like they're trying to be positive and i love that like i i'm trying to do the same myself and just shift my mindset from what it was in previous years and whatnot and just try to you know enjoy the little things and 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 all this stuff but we have to realize a lot of our prospects are not going to hit and it has almost not well it has some to do with the nats inability historically to develop prospects but it's just such a lottery ticket and you know, the hit rate is so low for all of baseball. Like you could have the best player development analytical staff ever. And, you know, you're, you're going to be lucky to get a 50% hit rate. Right. And we don't have that. And we don't have that. So it's like, (laughs) we're going to have guys that just don't pan out and like, that's okay. (laughs) Like it, it doesn't mean, you know, we have to be blindly optimistic either. Like let's not overcorrect, you know, that's my thing. Whereas like a guy like, you know, James Wood is perfectly fine to be excited about. Like his, you know, upside is tantalizing. Elijah Green, even though he has like a lower floor and potential outcomes, like 
his ceiling is super tantalizing as well. So like if you're, and obviously his spring training performance was like super promising as a 19 year old, but like all these other guys, you know, that have red flags, like it's okay to be a little critical of them. Like it doesn't mean we're any less of a fan or anything like that. And Kate, are Polly, you sure? I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that that's not the rules. I don't know. I know. I know. <laughs> and again, that's why I didn't want to get into it. Cause I could, you know, really let loose on, on this subject, but it's just Cavalli. I, I want him to recover. I'm not trying to say like he's a bust. I'm not trying to, you know, like add insult to injury or anything like that. Like his injury was devastating. And I, I, I don't want to, you know, kick a horse while he's down or anything like that. But I just wasn't I appreciate high on you him. mixing metaphors. I like that. I'm trying, you know, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm just caring too much about what people think and just let it loose like Ryan does. Let's upset yeah. some people today. Ryan enjoys upsetting people. That's what you just got to get to the point where you it's fun for you. No, no, no. Ryan doesn't enjoy upsetting people. He enjoys winning. So <laughs> if, if he upsets you in the process, that's just, you know, the Great, cost of doing business. That's the cost of doing business, baby. Like, you know, it, it, he is a one track mind kind of kind of guy. And, you know, you respect that. Amen. Like it's just it's just the internet. Like, who are you to get mad on the internet? Just log off, bro. Oh my god. But yeah, yeah. There's but, been some doozies of Twitter feuds over the years. It's been a while. There's yeah, been it's some been a while. I'm I'm feeling it. <laughs> I'm feeling it. I'm I'm excited. I'm I'll dive into some of the stuff you're talking about, Nick. When we talk about the Nats here in a little bit. All right, let's do it. All right. Um. Yeah. So, like I said, we have a long episode to get there art we're gonna try to keep it nice and concise and, and we have you know, a, condensed. a full episode but we're going full, to try not to run too long <laughs> we have a, a full docket for you today so let's dive right into it we're going to start with the nationals team preview to really tie a bow on our division preview and all the you know all 30 teams and the coverage we've been providing to you guys um as well we'll go obviously a little bit more in depth on the nets as that's our team for some reason it's still our team but We'll go a little bit more in depth on them. So let's get it started. Let's start with the Nationals offense last year. Uh, listen, not great. Bob. Preface. I'll preface <laughs> in all. Well, not actually their bullpen was okay. In the two major aspects of baseball pit, like starting pitching and hitting, they were very bad. So I'm not going to like bombard you with numbers. I'm sure Ryan will. And Amanda, you might have some up your sleeve as well. I'm just going to say they were bad because everyone knows how bad they were. Um, offensively, they lost Juan Soto, they lost Josh Bell. And after that, it was just like, who? It was only like with a, them. And after a, that, a it was. 30-year-old um... rookie with a, a you know performance-enhancing drugs history, like is the face of a franchise now. Um, it, it was just, it was bad, 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 bad. Mm -hmm. This year, I am expecting things to get better. If, if, big if, we can get the proper lineup construction for once in our lives. That's like been the hill I've been dying on lately. And I get it spring training, just as pitchers and hitters and all these players are working on different things. Managers and front offices are, you know, putting guys in different situations, whether that be like, pitchers pitching in different innings or high leverage situations or clean innings and hitters in different spots of the lineup. I get it's going to get, be different looks, but today we're recording this Tuesday night. They had their final exhibition game against the Yankees at Nats park and we saw the lineup and there were still major, major flaws 
in the lineup construction. Now I I'll say like the lineup, even at its best construction point, isn't great and it's going to have major flaws, but you can still put players in positions to succeed. And it doesn't seem like we're getting that from uh, Davey Martinez. My biggest gripe is Lane Thomas leading off. We have enough of a sample size. We basically have like a third of a season of sample size just from last year with the same team that says Lane Thomas is not a good leadoff hitter. And for some reason, Davey is still leading him off. Makes no sense, but... I digress. I'll, I'll let happen. you. I'll let you guys <laughs> tackle it. What are your thoughts for the Nats' offense this year? Um. So I'll I'll dive on in. It's not good. Their <laughs> offense was not was not very good last year. It was not a strength. There was a lot of weak content, weak contact, and there's a lot of balls hit on the ground. And their launch angle last year. Sorry about that. I adjust my headset. The launch angle last year was absolutely egregious in the process as well. Um, they led the league last year in soft contact percent at 18.5%. They also had the ground ball rate over 46%. Neither is good. You're not going to hit a lot of power when you are hitting the ball softly. You have a bad launch angle or hitting the ball directly into the ground. You're completely neutralizing your power. Um, diving into it, their offense is going to depend on a separate, separate key guys. One of them being Heber Ruiz. He's someone who should benefit from the no switch, uh, shift limits this year. Last year, uh, baseball prospectus identified 12 balls that were put in play. That would have been hits with the new rules. You're like, well, 12 hits. That's not really that much. That changes him to a 281 hitter with a 357 on base and a slugging around 400. That's drastic. So if he can even come close to that, that would be absolutely incredible. But he, like a lot of the guys, chases. And that's an issue that we saw with a lot of the team and some of the players I'm going to dive into. His chase rate last year was 32%. League average is 28.4%. Him swinging a lot. Again, his swing percent was 71. That's well over the league average. Led to a lot of bad weak contact. Then you move to Luis Garcia, who I do think is going to break out this year. But again, he had a lot of very, very interesting swing decisions, to say the least, which kind of hurts his ceiling and hurts who he is as a player. When he makes contact, it's great. I wrote about it. It's on the site for District on Deck why I think he should be the leadoff guy. He has a great exit velocity. He has a great launch angle when he makes contact. His issue, he's a free swinger, which is why I think he should lead off. Um, he chases 37% of the time, way, way too, way, way too high. Um, that is very interesting. You chase a lot, you're not going to be making good contact. That is going to lead to some of the more ground balls that we're seeing. Because right now with that chase percentage, Luis Garcia is a high Babbitt ground ball hitter. If he can tone that in and not be such Mm -hmm. a free swinger, he can take that next level. C.J. Abrams, again, those are the three key guys for this offense this year. And the last guy I'll talk about before I let you speak, Amanda and Nick, I've been rambling. C.J. Abrams has the same issues as Luis Garcia. He makes very, very very weird swing decisions. You look at him, he chases 41% of the time, it will be average. 
sorry, his chase percentage is 41%. It will be average is 28.4%. That's egregious. They need to get that under control because that he will not be a good hitter if he's chasing that much. Him, it's very interesting because when Abrams is making contact, it's not very impressive. So if Abrams can take steps forward and hit the ball harder and make more solid contact, the contributions from Ruiz, Abrams, and Garcia, we can see a big increase in this offense. And those are the three most important guys to watch this year offensively. That is the, the stats are very interesting about, about the chase percentage because the eyeball test tells you that. Like you see that they that they chase too much. But it's it's interesting to hear how you know, specifically how much higher that is for them than for the you know league average. Um it's interesting you obviously I'm not a fan of Lane Thomas's leadoff either. Who would you, Ryan or Nick, who would you guys want to see leading off? Here here's here's what the lineup needs to be. Um Personally, I would bat Garcia one, Joey Meneses two, Ruiz three, and I don't care who's behind them. They're not going to even come close to that, so they should go uh, Garcia, Abrams, uh, Joey, Ruiz. That's how I would do either of them. I don't think they're going to come close again that either. So I'm I glad have a you... feeling. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm glad you asked, Amanda, because I actually wrote an article about this on District on Deck, uh, plugging the site a lot here. Uh, I did, like, you know, my ideal lineup. I have C.J. Abrams leading off for very similar reasons to, you know, Ryan with Ruiz and uh, even Garcia. It's just like, if you're building your prototypical leadoff hitter, he has a lot of C.J. Abrams traits, like just talent-wise. Obviously, you know, to Ryan's point, the chase percentage needs to come down. The on-base percentage, and especially the walk uh, rate, needs to increase. Um, mm-hmm. Or chase, you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Like, everything needs to go in the right direction, just discipline-wise, for him to be that prototypical prototypical leadoff hitter. But, like, we know that's what you want him to be, right? So give him the opportunity to show that he can do that. Because yeah. it's... It, you know, they're we're not playing for anything. Like let let's just get that out of the way now. We're not playing for anything this season, other than to prove that the guys we have are long term pieces. So put them in the position you want to see them succeed, and let them get accustomed to being in that position. Mm-hmm. Unless like they really really struggle, then yeah, drop them in the lineup and try to like hold their hand and help them along the way. Like you know, but to to try to go backwards like a, a backwards way of doing it and putting them at the bottom of the line. Oh, he's got to earn it. Da, 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 da. Well, it's like the guy who's leading but who off cares? right now. He earned it on a compete on a competitive team. Well, but team also like, like the, the, the guy who's leading off now hasn't earned it. He's batting 219 in the leadoff spot and like has a, <laughs> a chase rate or a strikeout percentage of like 23%. Like you, if you're going off meritocracy, like at least go off at, like with everyone, you know, so I would go yeah. CJ Abrams one. Um, I loved all of Ryan's reasoning for uh, Garcia hitting leadoff as well. So if they decided to go Garcia's leadoff, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Uh, I'm not going to like be up in arms about that. I just think one of them should be. Um, and yeah. Ryan kind of alluded to like the success Kyle Schorber had leading off for us and obviously for the Phillies. And like, even though he's Very not, unconventional, you know, lead right, off guy, unconventional yeah. like start off a game one zero, even though, you know, his on-base percentage isn't through the roof or anything like that. Like that's super valuable. We saw that 
when Kyle Shorber was here and Luis, Luis Garcia could provide you some of that. He has probably, you know, of the young guys um, or the guys we want to see in the future, the the best po- home run potential of, of all of them. So he, he would profile as that. From there, I have Joey Manessas too. Screw it. it. You're going lefty, righty, lefty, righty. Or like that's what I'm I was trying to do. So yeah. I have uh Abrams, Manessas, uh Dom Smith. He had a hot spring. I'm still not high on him. I don't believe the 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 hype uh, of spring, but he had a hot spring and this lineup doesn't really have anyone else. Uh Dom Smith, uh Jaimir Candelario, Luis Garcia five, Lane Thomas six, Corey Dickerson seven, um Ruiz eight, which I didn't feel great about. I want, I even said that in the article, like I, I want to get him higher in the lineup. Yeah. I just didn't know where to put him right away. But if he's hitting fifth, fourth, even for his team, great. Love that too. And then Victor Robles last, like Victor Robles needs to hit last. That's where he belongs. Yeah. <laughs> However, hot spring, I'd love to see it continue, but um, color me skeptical until I see that happen in real major league games. So yeah, this, I, super interesting to hear where you guys are. Cause I've been thinking about like, who would I have lead off? And I, I'm thinking Abrams because I just love that, that kind of player on base. And, and obviously he's not getting on base enough, but I think to your point, Nick, that if you wanted him to become a leadoff hitter, you need to let him be a leadoff hitter in a time when it doesn't really matter what the results are. Just let him get the reps and let him, you know, learn how to do it. But I think if, if these are correctable issues, like learning not to chase so much better pitch selection, some of that stuff is talent-based, but some of that is coaching. And I'm hoping that this coaching staff can work with both, um, you know, Abrams and Garcia who have a lot of similarities that way um, to get them to make better contact and, you know, select their pitches better and get on base more. And if that's the case, I would love to see Abrams speed on base obviously he's no Trey Turner but one of the things I loved about having Trey Turner at the top of our lineup for so for so long was when he was on base he was just a disruptor and I love to have that kind of that kind of speed and again with the pitch clock this year you know I'm going to foreshadow one of my predictions is that stolen bases are going to be through the roof I think this year and uh, it's going to be so much fun to watch so he he is definitely somebody I would like to see near the top and I don't know. In two and three, it's hard. I think I might put Garcia up there somewhere. I think I was, I would, I'm putting Ruiz cleanup um, just because I'd love to see that. him. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard to, I don't want to put him any lower than that, but I can't really see him being the kind of hitter that belongs higher than that. So sort of by default, I landed with him as a cleanup. <laughs> Obviously you don't know great lineup, you know, so you're not, you know, at least he, I'm hoping he, somebody in front of him is going to be on base between Garcia and Abrams. And I don't even know who else, maybe Manassas, um, second or third. I don't know. That's hard for me in that, that two, three spot. I can't really figure out who, and I don't think it matters all that much because there's, you know, not going to be that much offensive production, most likely anyway. But yeah, I would keep Lane Thomas down at least at six, maybe seven. And uh, Robles, I think last. And I really am intrigued by what he did in spring training it was definitely a huge improvement over what we've seen from him but um I'm you know I'm a believe it when I see it with him after all these years he's been you know such a disappointment offensively from what he was predicted to be as a prospect but I would dearly love to see him put it together this year and even if he can just be serviceable offensively his defense 
you know, is such that I would happily take serviceable from him, but serviceable would be a notable improvement. So I guess we'll see what we get. Yeah. Robles's performance this spring has fallen on blind ears and deaf eyes for me. Like I just couldn't care I less. Pretend I do not see it. <laughs> I, I it, it, but it's not even that. Like, I just, I could not believe it less. Like I just couldn't, yeah. but you guys know me. Like I am as far out on Victor Robles as uh-huh. possible. You are the, you are the, the president of the Victor Robles haters club. Oh, I'm the dictator of the president or <laughs> the dictator of the president. You know what I mean? Um, I do know what you mean. So anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to make one more point. Like I love Ruiz hitting cleanup. I just remembered why, like in my lineup construction, I had Smith and uh, Candelario hitting third and fourth. It was just to boost their trade value. If Abrams mm. and Manessas get on base a lot, they're going to have RBI opportunities, make their, you know, stat pad their numbers and make them more attractive for a midseason trade. Not that that's like the overarching goal. Obviously, you'd much rather see Abrams, Garcia, Ruiz develop into guys you want them to be, especially Ruiz. Now that we know he's going to yeah. be around here for a decade, um, but just so you know to help. We haven't even talked about that yet. Yeah, to to help the Nats, you know, recoup some assets and and hopefully encourage them to sell the deadline and not have like a, a middling. Smith or a middling Candelaria or any of these other guys like taking at bats away from guys we actually want to see. Um, So that that's why I was doing it. Uh, But again, no problems at all. If Ruiz hits in the middle of the lineup, Um, the last point I wanted to make about the whole lineup construction and specifically Abrams leading off. Do either of you remember how the first offensive half of the first inning of spring training went? If you don't, let me remind you. C.J. Abrams, single. C.J. Abrams, stolen base. C.J. Abrams scores on a bloop single to right field. Like, mm-hmm. that's manufacturing offense just from your leadoff guy. I, that's what you love it's to something see. that Lane Thomas is quick, too. So, like, I'm not trying to say he couldn't steal bases, but it's not C.J. Abrams quick. So, no, it, it's just. He's got blazing speed. I forget. I read somewhere the other day. I was just reading a couple of things about abrams and i can't remember but he was in the very tippy top percentage speed wise of the league i mean he is blazing fast and if he can if he can start getting on base more i really think he is he is going to be phenomenal as a leadoff guy he just needs to walk more i did see remember reading he only walked like five times last year so obviously if you're going to have a guy healing leadoff he needs to walk way more than that but i think that that will go hand in hand when he starts being more selective about the pitches he swings he swings at and, and he you know that'll be a largely a coaching issue um, hopefully they can get him, you know, to where he's making better decisions. And when he does, I think again, with the, with the shift ban this year and with, you know, the, you know, outfield, infielders are going to be in different positions. The pitch clock is going to allow him to steal a bunch of bases. I think he's going to be, he might be what I'm most excited about watching this year. I think he's going to be so much fun. Yep. Agreed. Any final points on the offense before we transition to pitching? Mm, can't think of anything cool all right let's get into it starting rotation for the nats um i actually don't recall if they announced a five starter but we know the top four and we know the order now patrick orban still the number one i assume it's cool but i don't think there was an official announcement um patrick corbin the ace if you (laughs) call him that the real ace is in the number two spot josiah gray very bullish on him this year uh three Mackenzie Gore, I think that's fitting. I think he deserves it. Uh, I also think the fans deserve it. And not that 
you know, I'm trying to say like fan service should be a determining factor in like putting out the best people possible. Cause then you get into the Harada para and like that conversation of it all. And mm-hmm. I don't want to ever engage in that conversation ever again in my life. Uh, <laughs> but like Mackenzie Gore, we haven't gotten a chance to see him to see him first of all, but again, he's a guy that we're going to be depending on to develop and be a piece of our rotation for the foreseeable future. He doesn't need to be the ace, but he needs to be a guy that we can depend on, even if it's just to eat innings or, you know, whatever. Um, so giving him the third spot in the rotation rather than like burying him, I, I, I think it's just good business. Number four, Trevor Williams, uh, offseason signing. I'm fine with that. I just hope he can eat innings after being a reliever and a pretty good reliever for the past couple of years. I hope he transitions well back to being a starter. Interesting to transition back to being a starter. Usually you see it the other way. So I'm curious yeah, they, they did it for financial reasons because they the going rate for like a flyer uh, starting pitcher was like about $10 million. A, a lot of those uh, one-year deals for starting pitchers, it was like one year, $10 million, one year, $9 million. And they got Trevor Williams for like two years, $13 million. So they were trying to go bargain bin hunting. And I don't hate the signing. I just, you know, the Mets found a way to maximize Williams value and the Nats are trying to undo it, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, but I get it for Trevor Williams sake. Like he wants an opportunity to start. So hopefully he can cash in again in two years with starter money and not like this long reliever hybrid money. So I get it yeah. for his, I just hope he performs and, yeah, like we were talking about earlier, I believe Chad Cool is going to get the five spot. He had, he's Chad Cool. If you don't know him, that's that's why. Um, he had a couple of okay starts in spring training, so I think that's enough to get him on the forty man because you're gonna put Kate Cavalli on the sixty day di di right. il and then <laughs> yeah, I was like, what was I about to say? And then I realized um, you're gonna put Strasburg most likely on the 60 day. So that clears up two spots right away without having to DFA anyone. So that should get cool a spot um, as well. And then most likely one of the bench guys that we didn't even talk about offensively, but I don't think we really need to talk about like a Michael Chavis too much or anything like that. Um, But thoughts on the rotation as we start the season, obviously we're going to see a ton of guys make spot starts for this team. We had, I think 16 different players make starts for us last year. So <laughs> just because we have five right now doesn't mean it's going to be this five all season. But no. as we enter the season, what are your thoughts on the rotation? Um, well, it's not good, um, particularly. I mean, we got two promising young pitchers and then a bunch of, you know, retreads. And Patrick Corbin, I think, um, you know, calling him a retread is maybe generous. He's he's such it, it, it still baffles me. That's like the guy just forgot how to pitch. <laughs> it's. I don't know. He's a hard one for me. The fact that he got the opening day start is is really annoying. I, I just feel like, you know, you've got these two young guys who are going to be the, you know, here on the long term. I think it would have been a really nice gesture for them to, like, let one of them have the thrill of an opening day start. And instead you let Patrick Corbin. And I keep seeing all these articles who's been one of the worst, you know, starting pitchers in baseball. I'm like, no, he has been the worst starting pitcher in baseball. The one thing you can say for Corbin is that at least he's made a lot of starts. I mean, a lot of them hasn't gone very deep, but at least he's like, I guess, injury wise, he's durable is the only if if I have to say my mother always told me to try to find something nice to say if I'm criticizing someone. So there you go. You're welcome, mom. <laughs> um, I don't know what else there is to say about Corbin. I mean, that that contract is an albatross and 
you know, we're just going to have to live with it until it's over. And luckily it's going to be over hopefully around the time that the Nats are starting to, to try to get into contention again. And we can just, you know, forget that ever happened and never mention his name again. Um, Gray, Gray and, and Mackenzie Gore, both those guys, I just, for my mental health, I need them to work out given what we gave up for them. Mm -hmm. I know we just talked earlier about how not every prospect is going to hit. I need those guys to work out. Um, I am excited for Gore. Uh, I was a little bit bummed that we didn't really get to see him last year, but there was no reason, you know, to rush him after he's coming off a big injury like he was. Um, Gray is, Gray is a hard one for me because, you know, he he had 154 strikeouts in only 148 innings, which is which is good. But he also had like a 5.02 ERA and allowed 38 home runs, which was more than any other pitcher so you know he had some really good and some really bad he's definitely having some growing pains I'm, I'm hoping to see some real um improvement from him this year um Williams is just one of those meh I mean it was a decent signing they they got it him for a good deal I'm a little skeptical about you know you see you see starters who don't have it anymore become relievers you don't really see relievers become starters again very often um but I mean he's He's stretched out. He seems like he's excited at the opportunity to to start again. So I guess we'll see what happens. And he said, Chad Cool is Chad Cool. I mean, you need a fifth guy. It'll somebody will get injured and they'll be going to their basically non-existent starting pitching depth. That's why I predict that the you know you look at this team and you think, well, on paper maybe they could improve a little bit from last year, but injuries always happen and and th there's no depth. So I don't I don't know. I think that the bullpen will be the strength of the pitching, it will not be the starting rotation. Agreed. Um, last year, the starting rotation was egregious. Nats, being generous, uh, they were last in most stats last year. They were not, not very good. Starting with Trevor Williams, it's an interesting signing, giving him two years. He was very, very, he was good with the Mets. Uh, he had, there it is. He had a 3.21 ERA for them last year. He figured it out. Year before, he had a 4.35 ERA. Things clicked for him. My concern is that they're going from – he's going from a long man to a starter. He In 2020, he threw 55 innings. In 2021, he threw 91 innings. Last year, he threw 89 innings. He has not thrown at least 145 innings since 2019. That is a very, very long time to put into comparison how long that is. The Nats were a 93-win team 2019 <laughs> and won the World Series. How long is it? Oh, we're not doing that. My bad. Um, so I I don't know. Trevor, Trevor Williams is interesting. I think he's going to be on a little bit of a stricter pitch count in inning count in the beginning of the year than the other pitchers are, which is kind of unfortunate because he was signed as someone who could just toast six innings for them because this bullpen is going to be used quite a bit this year. Looking at McKenzie Gore, very, very important for him. I, believe it or not, I'm actually pretty high on McKenzie Gore. The pieces in the tools are there for Gore. That's very important to note. It's just up to this coaching staff to get him there. Last year, before he got hurt, his fastball was his best pitch. He had negative five run value. He also had 22-point Gore and induce vertical break on his fastball, which is absolutely fantastic. That's there. His curveball was essentially net neutral. His slider was his worst pitch. He had six run value, very, very bad. 
Um, and guys kind of teed off on it. They hit two, 286, and they had a slugging over 400 on it, which isn't very good. And what's very interesting is he pitched today. He struck out four and 3.2 innings of the exhibition game. He threw a slider 34% of the time. That's his worst pitch. But he got five whiffs on 11 swings. Gore's problem is the stuff is there. His stuff is very, very good. He just hasn't been able to find the strike zone consistently. And if that slider gets him the gets it over, gets swings and misses, gets him to find the way for strikes, then let the slider go free. It's just very interesting. He started using that more because how bad that slider was last year. So the biggest thing to watch with Gore is can he find the strike zone consistently? If he can, he'll be able to reach his potential. If he can't, it's going to be a long year, which is rather Rather unfortunate. Um, then going to Josiah Gray, I'm a little bit lower on Gray right now than I was last year. How things stand right now, Josiah needs a couple things to go his way just to get to the level of a five-starter. He was very, very bad last year, which is very, very unfortunate. His fastball was the worst pitch in baseball. I'm not joking. His run value was 22 that's egregious. He was 22 runs worse with his fastball than league average. His slider, on the other hand, best pitch, negative 11 run value. He is coming off a fantastic spring training. He had a 0.54 ERA rate. Absolutely incredible. He was mixing in a cutter as well. It looked like he was using his fastball less, which to be completely honest with you, he needs to completely ditch his fastball altogether. But what sucks is you can't do that as a pitcher. So hopefully this cutter can help get that fastball a little bit more movement, which can help. One concern, though, is when guys start throwing cutters, we have seen a very alarming trend of first developing a cutter. Guys lose their grip on the slider. Slider gets less movement on it. That is going to be something that is very, very important to watch with Gray because his slider is his best pitch. It's his put-away pitch. Guys hit 185 against it. Guy slugged barely above 300 against it. He had his lowest hard hit percentage against it. He had his most whiffs on it. He had his most strikeouts on his slider. That is going to be crucial to Gray this year, is if the addition of the cutter doesn't impact his grip on the slider and he doesn't lose it. If he doesn't, we should see that positive steps forward from Gray that we desperately, desperately need. I don't care about Chad Cool. I will not be talking about him. And Patrick <laughs> Corbin is just absolutely egregious, and I will be not talking about him either. Yeah. And yeah. So allow me to retort a little bit. Uh, I don't disagree uh, with a lot of what you're saying on Josiah Gray, but I do want to share why I'm so bullish. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the cutter. Uh, you make great points about the cutter and slider kind of blend, and you know they. Be, both become like more middling pitches and marry each other rather than becoming two separate distinct pitches and having their own separate effectiveness. Um, there's also, a, it, it's hard to tell because Josiah Gray's a converted shortstop. So he doesn't have like all of the, you know, uh, minors or college and, and high school, like wear and tear on his arm, but there is a, a, a path or a, um, what's the word I'm looking for a trend uh that developing cutter uh 
increased i'm just stumbling over my words right now increased uh arm stress by throwing cutters and obviously we don't want to speculate especially with the the injury bug the nats have had in the pitching department over recent years but like that's something to think about as well but anyways um his spring training is just like all i need because yes the the era is sparkling but like i'm not even super concerned about the era right now because there was a world baseball classic going on and you know some of the best players were away from their teams and stuff like that and it was really only like 16 innings so you can't derive a huge um you know discussion or opinion from 16 innings of work you obviously need a much larger sample size than that but i'm looking at two key things the things he was arguably worst at last year i mean he definitely was he was the worst in mlb in both categories home runs allowed and walks allowed he only walked two guys in 16 innings and he gave up zero home runs again 16 innings i understand but if you look at his past three spring trainings which he pitched five innings in spring training 2020 5.1 in 2022 and then nine, um, 9.2 in 2022. So like, you know, 19, 20 innings combined, he always had a whip above like 1.6, like combined. He had 1.4, 2.06, and then 1.45. So like his spring trainings were, did not mirror this spring training. If he had a great spring training last year and then came out in, you know, did what he did in 2022, I'd be like, oh, well, we can't pay attention to spring training at all. But this was a clear improvement over what we've seen from Josiah Gray in the past. So I'm hoping, manifesting, that this translates. Do I expect him to have a 0.92 whip in the regular season? No, not at all. But I do think there are clear signs that he is trying to address the problems that really hampered him last year. And that's keeping, you know, uh, the ball in the park and keeping guys off the base pass free of charge by walking them. So I'm hoping just challenging them more, throwing more strikes that he's going to be able to do so without giving up hard contact and, you know, be a serviceable pitcher. I, I think his ERA is still around four, but if his ERA is around four, at least it's not like five point, whatever, like it was last year, I will take a four ERA from Josiah Gray. I think that's clear improvement. And he stayed healthy last year, which I think is a big piece for the Nationals. Like they can't, you know, afford really many more injuries in their pitching department. And having guys stay healthy is almost just as valuable as like the performance um, that they give as well. So I'm bullish on Josiah Gray. I'll talk about him again later on, but I think I think he has. Uh, I think there's at least reason to believe that he has taken a step forward this year. Well, I'm going to lend my spiritual energy to your manifesting because I want you to be right. Yeah. I, I, I want I you to be right so. and I want Ryan to be wrong. Because like I said, I obviously a four a four ERA would be an improvement. And you know, you're saying at least he'll be serviceable. And I really, really hope, given that he was one of the key pieces in such a huge trade, that he winds up, you know, if this year is improvement and he becomes more serviceable, that's fine. But I hope that ultimately he will end up beyond serviceable. And an actual, even if he's like a three, four type of starter. Yeah. I, I'd be fine with that. But I, you know, if he turns out to be a guy who can barely crack the rotation and, and ends up being a disappointment, you know, that does happen as we, we, we beat that horse all the time. A lot of prospects don't hit, but man, he would be a hard one to take for me. Yeah. I, I will say I wholeheartedly agree with Ryan that like Gore is the prospect 
right now. Yeah. Like more so than even Kanbali, more so than, I mean, we don't really have great Greg, pitching, yeah. pitching prospects in the minors, but like Gore is the guy that we need to pan out. Like it just, if he does, he is frontline, you know, material. Yeah, he's got not, ace potential. Yeah, for sure. So. I don't think at this point Gray has any ace potential, unfortunately. No, but like not every pitcher does it. Doesn't mean they're not serviceable. So right. We're, we're we still need hoping. guys that aren't aces. It would be nice to have a whole sportation full of aces, but nobody does. And there's a yeah, reason for that. Exactly. All right. Moving on to the bullpen, which was ironically a strength of the nationals last year. Uh, they got great performances from guys that we didn't even know were ever going to be on the team. Guys like Erasmo Ramirez, who was uh, ironically, unironically, whatever <laughs> you want to use the pitcher of the year as voted on by the media for the Nats. Uh, that just goes to show you how uh, their 2022 went for the Nats um, guy like Carl Edwards jr. Had a great year and he's really bounced around and hasn't been anything close to what he was with the Cubs back in the mid 2010s guys. You just wouldn't expect to have impact had impact. And of course the nationals didn't capitalize and move any of them at the deadline, but that's another conversation. Uh, they're retaining a lot of those guys. They're going to have some new guys, a guy like, I don't know if it's Hubie Harris or Hobie Harris. I don't know how you say his name. Um, he looks to be a key piece. A guy like Thad Ward will probably be a multi-inning long relief guy, possibly a spot start guy. They're hopefully done messing around with Mason Thompson. Mason Thompson is another hill I'll die on. I can't believe like what they've done with him since they got him from the Padres. Like he's been up, he's been down rather than like Mason Thompson throws 98. He throws a, a, like a devastating sinker slider combination. And they look at that and he's also tall. I, I don't, I think he's like six, five, six, six or whatever. So you actually might be taller than that. So think about that with the sinker slider, like just a devastating plane of a pitch and they're trying to make him a, a long reliever and like use him as an opener. Like, no, that is a back of the bullpen guy. Like, what are we doing? So I'm hoping, oh, and that they were like sending him, they sent him down multiple times and yeah, he wasn't like the best, but he, I think he had like a two nine two ERA last year. Like why, why are we pitching, you know, a 40 year old vet over uh, just like Tyler clip. Why are we pitching Tyler Clippert over Mason Thompson? It, it just, uh, anyways. Uh, I hope they're finally done messing around with him and his development. And I think he um, projects to be a solid piece of the rotation or sorry, the bullpen as well. Kyle Finnegan returns. He had a solid year last year as this team's kind of de facto closer. Um, We'll see if he can repeat it. I keep forgetting he's 31 years old, which is just crazy to me. Not that like that is the sign of death or anything like that, but I just associate this team being young and, Kyle Finnegan like is a relatively new name. So it just always surprises me when I see his age pop up on his baseball reference page or anything like that. But this like team has always been hindered by their bullpen, at least when they were competitive. And then of course we're not competitive anymore. And our bullpen is like more than serviceable. Like it's arguably like a, imagine if they had this bullpen when they were actually competitive. I know we might've actually won some games. Um, uh, that Max Scherzer weird inning still haunts me from what was it 2017 or whatever but mm, any, anyways one yeah oh so bad yeah. I was there anyways the bullpen projects to be good the question is can they repeat because we all know how volatile relievers are 
And it's very hard to have consistency within the bullpen because of that, even though a bullpen's can like made up of seven or eight guys, like it, it's hard to string it all together. And you really need to have all six or all seven or eight guys on at the same time to have a quote unquote good bullpen. But what are your guys thoughts on the Nats uh, bullpen as constructed? It might change a little bit in the next couple of days as they presumably bring back up Palo Espino after they stretch him out a little bit in the minors and a guy like Banda might be sent back down, but as it stands right now, what are your thoughts on the, uh, on the bullpen? It's kind of funny that when this team was good, the bullpen was just complete dog water. And now that they have no hope whatsoever that the bullpen on papers, like kind of league average, which is pretty funny. Not going to go through a lot of the arms just because like, just don't really care. Why? Yeah. Why would you? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to talk about two guys who I do think are very important. Um, I completely forgot that, Kyle Fennigan was my player to hate for no reason. <laughs> Forgot about that. So That's how much you tweeting. hate him. You like erased <laughs> him from your mind. Uh, need need to start talking about him more. He's going to be very interesting and a very important guy because I do think he is good trade bait for a team. But he had a couple of alarming trends last year that is going to be interesting to watch. He got hit harder than he has in his entire career. Looking at his hard hit percentage, his rookie year, 28.8%, per, which is absolutely fantastic. That jumped to 39.2. Then last year, hard hit percentage was 43.8. That is a insane increase. Yeah, that's not good at all. <laughs> over that time, league average is 35%. So guys are kind of teeing off of him. And I don't really know what happened. The only thing I can point on is that he threw his slider more because his slider is poo-poo. Uh, guy slugged 600 off his slider and they hit 280 on it. His sinker and his split finger, however, great. His split finger, guys hit 200 and they slug 367 on it. His sinker, 217, 354. Your reliever, like just throw two pitches. You don't need to be throwing mm-hmm. the third pitch. Um, his fastball run value is negative six. Sorry, sinker value. Really want to see him use the sinker and the splitter more. Um, I think that will help him get back to a level where he was when he first entered the league because he was kind of surprised how he hit the league. So I think that's going to be really interesting for him because if he can hold down the ninth inning role and do a very good job at it, every single team in contention always wants relievers. The Nats could potentially get a very good piece for him, which would be nice. And he has years of control too. He has two or three left. Exactly. And then a sleeper arm in the bullpen who I really like is Hunter Harvey. I like his stuff. Um, His hard hit percentage went down. Suck on that, Kyle Finnegan. Still above the league (laughs) average at 44%. You want to see that come down a little bit more. He has a tendency to get worked, but that's off his off speed. For example, his curveball, he only threw it 44 times, and you're going to hear why. Guys hit 625 off of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should throw that zero it. times. <laughs> teed, absolutely teed off him on it. He only had an 18% whip percentage on that compared to 30% on his fastball. Stop throwing the curveball. Right. I'm begging. Guys you don't hit, have a curveball, sir. You should like, stop throwing that. No, you're throwing a freaking meatball up there and they're just walloping it. Fastball for him, they hit 202 with a slugging around 300. He's another guy, again, just focus on what works for you. 
Your fastball run value last year was negative 12. That's great. You have great velocity. Just throw the fastball. Hunter Harvey and Kyle Finnegan are my two guys to watch in the bullpen. I do like their stuff. I think with a little bit of tweaking, Hunter Harvey can be a really, really surprising and good arm for this team. And I think with a little tweaking as well, uh, Kyle Finnegan can become a pretty good closer. Wow. For your player that you hate, that's high praise. Yeah, this ain't Twitter, man. <laughs> this ain't a bit. This is <laughs> got to be a shot. Yeah. <laughs> got to be a little bit. Got to be a little bit more uh, effusive on the podcast. So, um, yeah, I've got a couple of things about this bullpen that kind of strike me. One is, you know, you were seeing they ran league average last year. For ERA, they were actually 11th, so even above league average. I mean, it was 4 to one which isn't, you know, like – You'll take that from you will more than take that. Yeah, more than take that from a bullpen. It's skewed by like uh mop up duty and fireman roles and obviously like blown saves and stuff like that. But uh yeah, the the mop up duty really skews the numbers. Yeah, but that for yeah, and they were to me just it is ironic how the the bullpen's decent for the first time in forever, and it's when they suck so much it doesn't matter at all. But um interesting points about Hunter Harvey. Um, about his fastball when you were talking it was making me think about when Doolittle used to be good and he could basically just throw his fastball because he could move it around and like maybe that's what Harvey ought to think about <laughs> just, just your fastball's good like just use that primarily but that curveball maybe you should just retire that pitch because if anybody if there's a six in front of what people are hitting off of something you should probably just not not be engaging in that um, yeah there were a few really interesting arms last year um, I Finnegan is one obviously is likely to be the closer. Um, he had what was his ERA last year? It was in threes, three, five, if I remember one. correctly. Three five one. Yeah. And so Erasmo Ramirez and Carla Birch Jr. both sub three, which you know is great to have two relievers who can who can, you know, give you an ERA that low. Um, I, I'm not really sure what to expect from Edwards. You know, he's he's getting what is he 31 or 32? He's definitely getting up there. And I feel like relievers are one of those where when you see position players, they sort of decline gradually. And I sometimes I feel like relievers just fall off a cliff. Like you don't mm-hmm. know when that's gonna happen. And for some reason, I have no I have no stats to support it, but I have this feeling that like maybe that's coming up. But I would love to see him at least hold it together and be good enough that he could be a, uh, a potential trade deadline piece. It was very interesting to me that the strength of the team last year was the bullpen and they chose even while making a blockbuster trade like the Soto trade, not to, you know, further go in and get any pieces for their bullpen arms. I hope that's something that they correct this year. I hope that the bullpen continues to thrive and that they make some trades this year for guys who are, there's going to be a lot of contending teams that can use good relievers. There always are. And the other thing I'm noticing is the, the how right-handed this is like there, do we even have anybody, are they keeping anybody who's a lefty reliever? No. And they shouldn't. Yeah. Or they don't have anybody worth keeping, but the point is like, how did you construct a roster with not a single decent left-handed reliever? Lofty relievers are not needed. That's a separate rant for another day, though. Yeah, well, I know this is already too long of an episode, maybe to go into that. I feel like I know they're not what they used to be, but I, I to me, it's I, I would, I would want at least one for particular situations. You know, you'd be like, hey, in this situation, we really want a lefty, and there might be some guys who don't hit well against lefties, or there's just a point in the game where you need that. And uh, to me, it's weird when you've got. I don't know. I feel like there's enough room in a bullpen. You've got seven or eight guys. You can you can bring in one lefty. So that's a weird one. 
But yeah, I think it's going to be the strength of the team again, as it was last year. And I hope that they take more advantage of it this year by um, making some trades because this team is going to be very, very bad. And uh, again, a little bit of foreshadowing for my predictions later. I think this team win loss record is actually going to be worse than they were last year. So um, I don't really, like I said, it's nice to have some good relievers, but I don't really care other than what they can get for us. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree. Uh, well, I was going to put you on the spot with some rapid fire that includes their record. So you're not going to be able to save to, to the end of the episode, but just to tie up our, our Nats talk um, prospect wise, I'm not really thinking we're going to see many of these top impact prospects this year, like possibly a September call up, but I, I don't think it's likely uh, like, I think Robert Hassel the third or Jeremy De La Rosa would be the most likely candidates, but they're still in double A right now. And Hassel particularly, like he's coming back from a handmate injury, but then a separate wrist injury as well. So I don't think they're gonna rush him at all. Um Wait, and then, Cole Henry. Like he just started throwing again. Uh yeah. like maybe, but I I, I don't know exactly his timeline. Like I know he was throwing bullpens today and his velocity was like up there uh, like it was before. So it seems like he's progressing well, but I, I doubt it. Um, I, I know people like Jackson Rutledge is a name being thrown out there, but like he hasn't been particularly good in his minor league career. And I think he's only in high a or yeah, maybe most of their double good, a their good prospects are down so low. That yeah. So it's like, I'm not, they, they have those impact prospects, but they're still years away in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. like, so you're looking at like a Jake Lou who could serve a role on this team, especially if, uh, you know, some of these corner guys are traded or, uh, anything like that, but I, I'm not. And then obviously I, I think we do see Carter keep at some point once he comes back. Oh uh, yeah. He exists. Forgot about him. He does. He does. Uh, but I just wanted to tie a bow on that. Cause people would be like, Oh, well prospect. We have all these good prospects. We do like we have, we're top heavy. We, but we do have good prospects. I just don't think we see any of them this year. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Do you disagree? I'm just looking through their list of their top 30 and I don't really see anybody likely to. Oh, Junior Downs is probably someone worth mentioning. Cause Davey had even said that mm-hmm. if Abrams or Garcia go down to injury, Jeter Downs is going to get the call, not uh, Vargas, who is the utility infielder. Like Vargas will stay in his utility infield or infielder role. And they're going to call up Jeter Downs, which. Yeah. I'm okay. Like I, I don't know. We talked to Sam Dykstra and I even asked him, I was like, is Jeter Downs just a, a reclamation project at this point? He's just like, yeah, like you don't mm-hmm. really expect the top 50 prospect he once was, uh, which is fine. I, I just like, I, to me, if I felt like his problem was the Red Sox rushed him. And so bringing him immediately back to the majors, like if some, as soon as the f- first thing goes wrong, seems like a little bit uh, of a rush to me but again if he is a reclamation project he's a reclamation project he can at least be a backup infielder i guess yeah so at least a backup infielder i guess and there you have the state of what we're likely to be yep (laughs) yep all right so let's rapid fire this uh tie a bow on the nats coverage and the division previews and team previews and all that stuff so put it putting you guys on the spot what's the nats record this year 51 and 111 damn holy shit <laughs> i love it 
I really okay. think that they're going to get some injuries, and there's just nothing. There's nothing there. I mean, it's already a bad team, and when you get below the the, the major leaguers, and I'm using air quotes, um, you know, there's just nothing. I, I think they're going to be worse record wise, and the division is just a complete, to borrow a phrase, buzzsaw. And I know we don't play as many teams against the NL or as many games against the NL East as we did in the past, but it's enough. I, I think they're going to be dreadful. I like the new Amanda. I've um, never respected you more. I I like the new Amanda. Um, I think they won fifty seven games. I think a lot would have to go right for them to touch sixty. I'm at fifty eight, so I'm right there with you. All right, who's the biggest surprise this year? Good or bad? I mean, it you could go either way with this. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill Nick here. Robles, Robles hits two seventy five. All right, I now never respected you less. Uh Ryan, what about you? Um I keep going back and forth. I've had like three different people. I'm gonna say biggest surprise Luis Garcia. I'm all in on his out uh his outbreak this year. Okay. All right. I'm I'm all about it. Um who do you think the quote unquote comeback player of the year is? Hmm. Oh, I guess right. I didn't get I didn't give my answer. Uh biggest oh, yeah. surprise. Um I mean, there's a ton. I, I'll say Josiah Gray, I'll, I'll double down. I, I, I think he is going to be much, much better. Cause th- there's guys that are completely out, like fans that are completely out on Josiah Gray. And oh, like it, it's, it's premature. It, it's premature, but it's hard to blame them as well after yeah. how rough last year was. But I, I think he he bounces back. But anyways, yes, who do you think the the comeback player of the year is? After my very pessimistic win-loss record prediction, I'm going to go a little more um, optimistic here. Corbin. Corbin is the is the comeback. He's not going to be great, but he won't be so he won't be the worst pitcher in baseball this year. I don't know who will be, but that's my that's my prediction. He won't Ryan, be what worst. about you? Um, I'm going Ruiz. I think he hits 18 home runs this year and has an OPS over 700. Love it. Damn, that was going to be mine. Uh, mainly because I, I didn't want to pick Josiah Gray for both, even though he would technically qualify for both. But I think, yeah, I think Ruiz taps into more of that power than uh, what we have seen previously, which honestly hasn't been much, if anything. Um, all right, now to the big three. Oh, well, sort of big three. Uh, pitcher of the year for the Nets. Uh, starting pitcher of the net, uh, of the year. Mm, I'm, going Josiah, I'm going Josiah Gray again. You are doubling down. You're going. I'm like quadrupling down at this point. So you're going Mackenzie Gore. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm going Gore. He's going to lead the staff with a 4-3 year. Right? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, he, hurts, previously, he, previously he said he didn't think anyone had the had a ERA below four or five. So that's this is progress. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I kind of stand by I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, uh reliever of the year. I'll go Harvey. I assume Ryan, you're going. Damn it, way. Amanda! <laughs> I don't like the so, new Amanda anymore. Yeah, I'm going Harvey. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go Mason Thompson. I'm very, oh. like I said, I'll die on that hill. And I, I think Harvey's gonna have a solid year. Um, but I also am kind of hedging a little bit because I do think Kyle Finnegan gets traded. And if he does, I I think Mason Thompson would be the next in line to get save opportunities. And he yeah. he might anyways if Finnegan struggles or gets hurt or anything like that. 
So I think that will inherently increase his value to the team should he be able to step up into that role. So I'm going to go Mason Thompson. The one um, advantage I think that Finnegan has is that the Nats won't be in a lot of save opportunities, so he probably won't get a lot of use. He should. So every high leverage situation is a low leverage situation. (laughs) Right, exactly. If it weren't for, yeah, if it weren't for low expectations, I wouldn't have any expectations at all. Yeah. All right. Wrapping it up with hitter of the year. I'm going Abrams. I think he's going to, I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to improve his on base percentage. I think he's going to hit better. And I I think he's going to be a monster on the base paths. I'm excited for him. That's bolder than saying they're only going to win 51 games. And I respect that. Ryan, I'm going to let you go, but then I want to give you, I want to talk about Abrams for a second, but go ahead, Ryan. Who's your hitter of the year? Um, Joey Manessis until he's traded. Love it. I love that. You can never pigeonhole Ryan. <laughs> never, never. I would never going. have predicted <laughs> that Manessis would be your choice. I mean, he's the he's the only guy in the the, the team right now who who's above league league average hitting. Like, God, that's so sad. Let's it, be that honest. It hurts my, me in my soul. My king, what have you become? What have <laughs> they done to you? All right. What about you? Uh, I'm going Luis Garcia. Uh, I was bullish to begin with. Ryan wrote his fantastic article about why he should lead off. I mm-hmm. got even more bullish. And uh, what's crazy is I was not high on Luis Garcia before this season. And I, I guess looking for reasons, um, looking for reasons to like be excited. I got, you know, to start believing a little bit more. And then um also, just the fact that he's like one of two people on this team that could possibly hit a home run once this year uh, also helps. But I think he just really is able to put it all together because like last year, even they were playing Alcides Escobar over him. So he didn't start the year with the, the, the team and we were horrible last year. So like this is his first season where he's been starting the year up with the team. And I think he'll finally settle in. He's played like almost 200 games in his career but he's finally just now being able to to settle in with the team and i think he's going to settle in nicely he he might not you know hit 20 home runs or anything you know to write home about but i think he will be more than solid provided they're not burying him in the lineup like seventh or eighth like they tend to do with some of their young guys um cj abrams the final final point about the nats Ryan made this comp and I I just can't get it out of my head right now or like for the past two weeks since he said it, JP Crawford, JP Crawford is like a a spitting profile minus the speed. CJ Abrams is much faster, but like if you, if you want to do a little more research, we're not going to go too much into it. JP Crawford is like, Look at his baseball reference page for the Mariners. Fine, but not much more than that. Like he's fine. And now I'm like really concerned that that's who CJ Abrams is going to be. But it also kind of makes sense because he's never going to have like a 900, 950 OPS. Like that's just not who he profiles as. So if you're not having a significant, you know, slugging or anything like that, you got to find ways to impact. Uh, the game in, in, in other ways. Um, and if you don't, then like your numbers look really, really bad. Like if you're not getting on base, for instance. Um, 
So we're obviously hoping he turns out better than JP Crawford, but I think that's a pretty good comp by Ryan. Um, so I just wanted to point that out in case you wanted to form your own opinions on that. And I hope that that doesn't become a, uh, like the very first episode where we talked about Victor Robles thing, where we're talking about it in five years. <laughs> I hope you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Um, okay. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the season, the MLB season, not just the Nats. We're talking season predictions, whether, or, you know, including awards and the playoffs as well. And we will give our world series picks to uh, wrap it all up. But before we do that, let's pause and hopefully get a word from our sponsors. That has been working recently, but let's hope we get a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, we're back, and hopefully you heard some ad reads. I heard Amanda laughing um, in the background uh, because for some reason our ad reads have not been playing recently. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's hope that we didn't just pause for five seconds for a uh, station identification. That never happened. Um, all right, so let's dive into our awards predictions. I mean, this is this is the good stuff. This is where we really get to oh, yeah. call our shot. Um, so let, let's just start at the top. Why not? We're going to start with MVP. We will start in the NL since that's kind of what we were talking about. Doing it backwards. We always start with the AL. We're going to start with the NL. And I'm going to go first. Mainly because when we talked about this, like in our group chat um, a couple weeks ago, I had a pick. And at that time, I was the only one who was picking this guy. And not that he's like some obscure name or anything like that. But I was the only one. I felt so good about it. And now, like, I'm seeing all these other picks pop up, and I'm just like, son of a bitch, they're, t- they're taking my pick. That pick was Trey Turner. I mm. I thought for sure, I again, Trey Turner is a very, very good ball player. Ryan has picked him as his pick to win MVP before the campaign back in, what year was that? Was that the 2019 Trey Turner for MVP campaign? God, that feels like so long ago. Um, Yes, that was. Yeah. Like, so I'm not trying to say nobody was picking Trey Turner. I just thought that was like a really good pick because, you know, obviously we know who the favorites are. Um, But now because people are going Trey Turner and, and some of these other guys, I, I feel like there's, there's a guy that's going a little bit under the radar when he shouldn't be. So not I'm under take, the radar anymore. I'm going to take Mookie Betts. I think Mookie Betts wins MVP. Also, Mookie mm-hmm. Betts is like my favorite player in baseball, never to have been a national. 
Um, so it's just like if my like cool pick got taken, I'm going to pivot to the guy who I want to win MVP. So I'm going to go Mookie Betts to win MVP. Okay. I like it. Um, NL MVP, I'm going to go Tatis. I think he's it's revenge tour season for Tatis. He's going to miss the first 20 games, I think it is. Something like um, that. Before yeah. he's eligible. He's, he's eligible to come back on April 20th. Um, he looks completely healthy in the spring. He's going to go down and, you know, play a, you know, rehab assignment in the minors between now and then. But he just, he, the, the Padres lineup is just bananas. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch them. And I, I'm assuming he's going to be hitting maybe lead off or very close to the top. Um, I think he's going to, he's going to be on base a ton. He's going to have a monster season. So he is my, even missing the very beginning of the season, he's my pick for MVP. Ryan. Lay it on me. So I was thinking Tatis. I love the pick, Amanda, because I love Fernando Tatis Jr. That's my guy. But I do think the suspension is going to hurt, which is unfortunate. Uh, my MVP is someone that I haven't seen one talk about, and I'm going to feel about this prediction like I did with Dylan Cease last year when he came in second place. I'm going Matt Olson for NL MVP. I picked him last like year. <laughs> Yeah, well, you picked them one year too early. Damn he it. was he was <laughs> getting used to the new league. He settled in now. I think he's found his footing. He understands the ballparks more. He understands the pitching. He's seeing more AL West and at least the pitching is rather drastic. How much better it is. He's used to it now, and I think he puts everything together because his power and his bat plays very well in that park. And I think we see it all put together this year. Yeah, can I just sidebar for a quick second and say how damn unfair it is that the Braves get to go from freaking Freddie Freeman to Mattels? And it's just so unfair. Oh, yeah, it doesn't stop there. So, oh, <laughs> I know. Think, All of the guys they got hard. signed to long term deals. I can't even, we don't have time in this episode for that rant, but okay. Yeah. All right. Moving on to AL MVP. I will s- stick to my theme here. Um, and just try to manifest an MVP for a guy I like. And somehow this guy has not won an MVP yet, even though he's like only third year in the league or whatever. Um, I'm sticking with my wagon, brother. Vladdy, yeah. mm-hmm. Vladdy has to win an MVP. Granted, he has like 12 years still left to do so, but he has to win MVP. And I know Shohei exists. And that presents a huge problem because honestly, Shohei should win MVP every single year he steps on the field. It, even if he has like a three ERA, because if it, it means most valuable player, it's it, hard to it's argue that a guy by far and away Shohei Otani. And like there. Judge had to break Maris's record to to win MVP. Like, and I'm not trying to say Vladdy's going to win or like break 62 home runs or, and I'm definitely not hoping that Shohei gets hurt. I hope Shohei has like an elite year and breaks all kind of modern contract records next year when he's a free agent i i need that for baseball but it's no fun picking Shohei anymore i took my victory lap before it was cool to pick Shohei otani for mvp i picked him and he won and it was awesome but now it's like of course he's gonna win mvp so i had to switch it up a little bit so i'm going vladdy yeah it's just like when um mike trout was winning it every year it was just like yeah of course he's gonna win but it's so boring who ironically is like a dark horse pick <laughs> for right MVP. and i actually hope kind of that it's shohei this year because if shohei has an mvp year it means we get to probably watch mike trout in the playoffs and i would like to see that history says otherwise <laughs> that right, Otani can win mvp no. without them making the playoffs i know it's crazy um so my pick is julio rodriguez 
Um, love Julio Rodriguez. Loved watching him in the home run derby um, last year. I think, you know, he is one of those guys. He's just got all kinds of swag. He sold 25 bags last year, you know, with the, the shift band now. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to be, and here's one of my bold predictions, 40, 40 for him. He hit 27 homers last year, but he didn't start out hitting all that well. He hit 27 homers in his last 99 games. And that is the pace that allows for 40 homers in a year. So I'm predicting him to have a 40, 40 season and win MVP. He's going to be so much fun to watch. I like it. Ryan, what do you got? Um, This year. So again, it's boring picking Otani. Otani is my favorite player, not in the Nats. I love him very, very much. But I think Kyle Tucker wins the AL MVP this year. He had a down year for his standards. Uh, he only had an 808 OPS, and he still had a six war. Only. I th- only an 808 OPS, and he only had a war slightly below six. I think he puts everything together. Also, the fact that the Astros are very good. I think he gets a lot of attention, and Kyle Tucker brings home the hardware. Love it. I like it a lot. All right, let's stick in the AL and go to Cy Young. Ryan, I'll kick it back to you. Are we doubling down on last year's pick? You know, I want to. If you guys recall, I said that Dylan Cease was a thrower and he learned how to become a pitcher and that he was going to win the Cy Young. He came second. He showed up, but Justin Verlander being 37 and having a good year, had him win it and Dylan Cease came in second. I was very, very upset. I was that close to glory. And up until about 20 minutes before we recorded the episode, I was going to Dylan Cease. Mm-hmm. But I'm going a separate way. I think there's going to be another story out on the West Coast that gets this team a lot of attention. They got a lot of young, exciting players. One that I personally love in Julio Rodriguez. And that's Luis Castillo of the Seattle Mariners. I think he wins the... Mm-hmm. Cy Young this year. He had an ERA under three, 150 innings last year. I think he keeps it going. The Mariners are going to be very good this year. And I think he is going to be charging that and leading a fantastic story this year. And he's going to be creeping around a 2-5 ERA. And he brings home the hardware for the pitchers in the AL. I I like it. I I'm Soft spot for the Mariners. I, I, I Well, mainly I like their jerseys and hats. That's I do like their jerseys. <laughs> um, I do. They're among my no, favorites. J Rod and Castillo and some of the guys they have are exciting to watch. Amanda, who do you have? I'm going Shane McClanahan. I uh, I think he's yeah he's uh, he had such a great season last year, and I actually think he's probably even going to be better. He ended up with a two five four ERA. A, his WHIP was under one point nine three. Um, 194 strikeouts. I mean, for your first full campaign in the MLB to get that close to 200 strikeouts is just incredibly impressive. Um, he made 28 starts, so he was durable. The second half wasn't as good as the first half, but I think if he can put it together this coming year, and I think he will. Um, and you know the 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 Rays just—I don't even know what it is about the Rays. They just seem to always have that guy, and I think that guy this year is going to be McClanahan. I like it. Um, I am sticking on the same team and I'm going to go Zach Eflin. Um, uh, I'm joking. That was, I, I hope someone at least laughed at that, uh, but, but who knows with the Rays and how good they are and how much they 
randomly you never know what they can do randomly decided to pay Eflin <laughs> he might be in consideration for all we know uh I am sticking in the same division however and I'm gonna go Kevin Gosman um again it's different pick I was between two guys for a, a majority of the offseason I was between Carlos Rodon and Jacob deGrom and now everyone's picking deGrom again so I, I want to go different I do he is the favorite in my mind to to win Cy Young um and obviously a lot of people are picking Shohei to uh to to win it as well uh both are very solid picks but again I want to be a little bit different so I'm gonna go Kevin Gosman I don't see many people talking about him I'm high on the Jays this year I think they've gotten the hype out of their system and they can just like settle in as like a good team and they don't have to worry about like meeting expectations or meeting the hype or anything like that so a little preview for uh for later on when we get into the the nitty-gritty and do our uh playoff predictions but i'm high on the jays this year and i think kevin gosman like really really establishes himself as one of the best uh better pitchers in baseball which is ironic because he was am i confusing kevin kevin gosman was on the orioles at one point right same kevin gosman right correct yeah his career is wild <laughs> yeah. has, i believe he went orioles braves some other stop giants really caught on with the Giants, and yeah so kevin gosman uh al cy young is my pick um moving on to the nl amanda why don't you go first okay um nl i'm gonna go with julio arias yep um he had like a that. monster season last year um last 17 years, actually seven yes um i mean and i know win loss is not just a pitcher stat but 17 and 7 is still an impressive win loss record um 216 era um, 0.96 whip, 166 strikeouts, 31 starts. And that to me, I love to see that with starting pitcher. I love to see a lot of starts because I really think that having, you know, having strikeout stuff, having great pitches is of course the most important thing, but a very close second is availability. If you can't actually make a lot of starts for your team, then however good your stuff is, doesn't really matter. And um, he is, he led the national league last year in ERA and ERA plus. And his opponents hit less than 200 against him, just under. It was like 198 or 7 or something like that. I don't have it in front of me. But anyway, he was um, he was awesome, and I think he's going to be just as good this year. And he also is coming off the World Baseball Classic, and I think a lot of those guys are going to have a bit of an advantage coming from that environment and having already played some really meaningful baseball. And I think he's going to start the season off really well. Looking forward to watching him pitch. I like it. Ryan, who do you have? Um, he came in second last year, but I think he wins it this year. I got Max Fried winning the Braves have a sweep of the Cy Young and the Love MVP. That. Um, again, came second last year. Him and Spencer Strider are both very good. I almost went Strider, but I think he regresses. So I'm going Freed. Look at him last year, two seven fit, barely a whip above one, uh, 185 innings, 2.48 ERA. I think he gets it. I think he pushes 20 wins and he is padding his resume before he signs with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh. Yeah, that that would be a very Dodgers move to uh, pillage the Braves. <laughs> sure the Braves are going to call up somebody who's going to win Cy Young in three years anyways. Um, I'm going to go exactly. with a little bit of a revenge pick because um, I'm anti-owner. And that is Corbin Burns. I know he oh, won yeah. it a couple years ago, but it seems like he's still a little bit slept on. Maybe it's just because of where he plays. But 
if your owner takes you to arbitration over like 800 grand, not even a million dollars, not even several million dollars that some of these arbitration hearings that we see, so 800 grand, and you're not going to feel some type of way about it. Yeah, you're going to go out there and ball out. And he already has a Cy Young under his belt. And I know he's not paying or playing the NL Central as much as he used to with everybody playing everybody. Um, but I also think that almost helps him a little bit because he is going to feast on those NL Central games and, and really help his case. And like I said, he's won one before. So I'm going to go Cor- Corbin Burns for uh, NL Cy Young. I, I think I like that's it. A, a solid pick. All right, let's fly through these next few so that way we can uh, do a little bit more in-depth about our playoff picks. Um, NL Rookie of the Year, who we got? Mm, what do I have? Uh, Kodai Senga. I like I'm, it. I'm high on I'm high on Japanese pitchers right now after watching the World Baseball yeah. class, or Japanese players. I think he's in, in general. Um, he's he he wasn't, and I did some reading about him. He's really fun to watch. He's um, throws his splitter a lot, and then hadn't been throwing it much in spring training, and um, is throwing it again now. It's it's a great pitch for him. I think it's going to be um, something that's that really works for him. And I I like to see. I think Japanese pitchers sometimes have an advantage when they first come here. I know the the, the hitting is better here, but I feel like they there's not as much file on them, and and they they are a little different the way that they they work than the American or even the you know Latin American pitchers. So I'm. Uh, I'm very excited about Kodai Senga. I think he's going to be really fun for the Mets. And while I never wish good things for the Mets, I think he's going to be a, a, a bright spot for them. Yeah, it was an underrated signing by them. I'm going boring, but I will provide a dark horse pick or just a player to watch just so I'm not too boring. I'm going Jordan Walker. Uh, the mm. fact that he made the opening day roster just like I felt like I had to Which pick him. Which we didn't talk about, but it's fun that they actually took the best player instead of sending him down and screwing around with his service time. Yeah, so I'm going Jordan Walker. Uh, but my dark horse pick is Sal Freelich of the of the Brewers. I think he will be up sooner rather than later. That might be a service time manipulation type thing. Um, <clears throat> but the Brewers, the Brewers lineup is not great and certainly not deep so he could make an immediate impact if uh he hits the ground running which if he hits like he did in the minors i i think he will but ryan what do you got um i'm going with ezekiel tovar of the rockies he will i like that i was like gonna, that's my second year. second dark horse that's a good one <laughs> well hitting in cores too but he's playing right. cores getting the playing time yeah playing time as well place your future bet now yeah i like that pick that's a good pick uh Good picks by all of us. All right, AL Rookie of the Year. I'm going boring again. I'm going Gunnar Henderson. Sorry, I'm boring. Yeah, that's okay. You can be boring if you want to. I'm yeah. going uh, Hunter Brown. I uh, I'm sticking with my uh, my my pitcher theme here. Um, he was the Pacific Coast League Pitcher of the Year last year, and he he came up for Houston last year and had a .89 ERA and uh, 9.7 strikeouts for nine which was great. And he's going to probably have the opportunity to play a bigger role this year. I think McCullers, I didn't look before we started recording, but I think he's going to be back. The injury he had wasn't that big of a deal. It yeah. It's out. iffy, but, but yeah, but it's iffy. And and Hunter Brown is like the first guy who's going to come up when there's an injury and there's always some injuries. So I think he's going to have an opportunity to play a lot. And um, he's, he's got, He's got really good stuff. He's gonna, I think he's going to play well at the major league level. And I think he'll not only get an opportunity pretty early in the season, but I think once he's up, he's going to force his way into the rotation and, and stay. I like it. And it's the Astros. So, yeah. Uh, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, great picks all around. Nick, you went with the second best rookie 
in the AL East. <laughs> um, the rookie so of the year in the AL is going to be Masataka Yoshida. Had an absolutely fantastic. Oh, uh, they're going to pick Grayson. Oh uh, no, Orioles are going to keep him <laughs> down way too long. Um, he had a fantastic World Baseball Classic. The dude just freaking rakes. And I think he's going to really, really like the weird dimensions of Fenway. I was going to make a joke. Uh, I was going to say, all right, Ryan, tell us why Tristan Cassis is going to uh, <laughs> win Rookie of the Year. And then I was almost right. I honestly forgot about the Japanese aspect to Rookie of the Year. Same um, team. Yeah, say, well, that's what I'm saying. I was like, <laughs> I was close. Uh, no, but I, I, I think all good picks. I, I'm really high on Yoshida as well. I think he'll be super solid. All right, AL Manager of the Year. Who we got? All right. Who am I going to go? This one's hard. I have two, I'm so gonna... I'm trying to see if either oh, okay. of my picks Well, I'm going to go with John Schneider. Damn it. All right. <laughs> of the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are going to win their division, and um, I'm I'm high on Blatty. I know you're you're a big Blatty guy, Nick. Um, yeah, I think I think they're going to win the AL East, and I and that's why I'm going to go with John Schneider. I, I don't think that they're going to win the whole thing, but I think they're going to win their division and make a run. Uh, all right, well, I will take my pick now because John Schneider was one of them. I'm going to go Chris Woodward of the Rangers. Uh, mm-hmm. I have the Rangers uh, making some noise. Interesting here. stuff this year. Yeah, I like the Rangers what they've done. Yeah, uh, Ryan, what do you got? I'll go with Alex Cora, and I will not be elaborating on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, fair. He's he's bringing the cheating back. Um, all right, NL Manager of the Year. <laughs> um, who do I have? I'm going to go Bob Melvin. I think the Padres are going to be awesome this year. I think the Dodgers reign in the NL West. Their reign of terror is finally at an end. Um, I think the Padres are going to are going to be better than the Dodgers this year. And Melvin is going to do amazing things with that already really incredible roster. I can see it. Ryan, who do you have? Yeah, I'm also going Bob Melvin. Um, I thought about mixing up when Mana said that. And I was like, eh, I don't really care about Mana. That's what so I'm much. running through right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'll yeah. go Bob Melvin. <laughs> yeah, Bob, honestly, the NL seems pretty boring to me on paper. Obviously, things can transpire within the season that completely change the landscape of the playoffs. And obviously, three wildcard teams, you know, is really makes it an open competition as opposed to, you know, when four teams only made the playoffs in each league. Um, so I, I like Bob Melvin, but I will prevent the clean sweep and switch it up a, switch it up a little bit. I'm going to go Rob Thompson. I think the Phillies at, will have yeah. to survive a lot uh, throughout the year if they want to make the playoffs. And I think they do. Um, and Rob Thompson clearly gets a lot of credit for how the Phillies have been performing because Joe Girardi was terrible and Thompson comes in and it wasn't just him, but obviously he had a big part of that. Um, so I think Rob Thompson gets uh, his flowers and gets manager of the year in the NL. I dig it. Yep. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, go through our division winners and let's just rattle them off. Go quick. Uh, AL East. I'm AL going Blue Jays. East. I'm going Blue Jays. Yankees. Okay. AL Central. Guards. Guards. White Sox. <laughs> what? Okay. I'm going White Sox. That's one of my bold. Well, I'm ruining my bold prediction. That's one. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, AL West. Astros. Astros. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's got to be. Well, no, Doesn't I'm going go to go Mariners. I'm switching it up. I'm going Mariners. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, NL East. Braves. Braves. Phillies. 
I love that, it. Good that pick. might be the boldest of the night. I know. I'm I'm trying not to be I was looking through these and I was like, I'm just not gonna pick what everybody else is picking. I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw it just for the, just so it's not boring. Oh, I, I love it. I respect it. Um NL Central. Cardinals. Cardinals. Cards. Okay. A or uh NL West. Pads. Yeah, Padres. Dodgers. I mean, I, I would love it to be the Padres. I just don't think don't think they get there um all right your three al wildcard teams yankees astros rays i'm trying to write them down so i don't copy <laughs> word for word <laughs> or not you know what i mean uh ryan what about you uh mariners angels blue jays mariners angels blue jays i like we had not a single overlap that's good all right so i am going yankees mariners rangers Okay. Uh, no, no reaction to my Rangers pick, Dan. All right, cool, cool. All right, I like uh, it. I like your Rangers pick. I don't think that I, I don't buy it, but I like it. Well, more money for me then. Um, NL wild card. Mets, Braves, Dodgers. Yeah, that one seems about solid. Like a Mets, or, Phillies, Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, so I had the Braves winning, so that would mean. I have Mets, Padres, and Phillies making it. All right. So your we'll just skip all of the, the, the rounds. Give me your World Series prediction. What who over who? Phillies over Mariners. Love it. What are you smoking? My God. I want that. I want it to be <laughs> like teams nobody expects so much. Every year I find like it's the Astros, it's the Dodgers, it's the you know what I mean? It's like I want I want something fun. All right. Hey, I respect it. Brian, what about you? Uh, I got the Astros over the Cardinals. Two best lineups in baseball. Go ahead. Astros go back to back. I like the Cardinals in the series. I love that. Yeah, it feels like they're due. Um, all right. I'm going to go Blue Jays over Padres. Just wow. I like I, that, too. I, I don't know. San Diego is not a small market. But no. they're not a big market either. They're probably middle of the road. Um, so I guess. But the Padres are exciting on on their own accord. And Toronto is always bumping with their playoff atmosphere. But yeah, I, I think that that's a good one that isn't totally dominated by like the Dodgers, Mets. And, yeah, and you know, it's funny. You pick Padres and Blue Jays. I, I picked both of them to lose their championship series. So Mariners over Blue Jays and Phillies over Padres. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Look at us. Look at us. All right. So that does it. So we we gave out we all the it. hardware. We gave out all of the uh, predictions for the playoff. But now now it's really time to plant our flag. And again, we'll go quick. I know we appreciate you guys listening after a long episode, but we know this is a good episode and we want to be thorough. We want to plant our flag or we want to like completely erase this from history if we're wrong. But anyways. We're going to get bold. We're going to give you three predictions, three bold predictions for the MLB, three bold predictions for the Nats. All right, Amanda, your first bold prediction. For the Nats or for MLB? We'll, we'll start with the three MLB ones. Okay. Um, stolen bases are up 30% or more this year. I don't even think that's bold. I, I think that's just fact. No? But I, I right, like, no, no, no. I'm not like criticizing. I'm just saying like I, I agree. I wholeheartedly yeah. agree, and I would bet on that as well. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, that's not even bold, so 
don't dare put bold next to it. Uh, my <laughs> first bold MLB take is that the Phillies regress. They don't even win 83 games. They go back to the Ooh. Phillies before. And the Braves are the only team from the NL East to make the playoffs. That's oh, all. God, I love it so much. That's my first bold take. I love it. What about you, Nick? I I have to like layer this one because this guy is so good that him winning both the AL MVP and AL Cy Young is just like not even an accomplishment because he can very well do both. So it's Shohei related. I'm going to say Shohei not only wins the AL MVP, not only does he win the AL Cy Young, but he also goes 40-40. Wow. That would I, be... I think he has the ultimate walk year. And maybe, again, I'm manifesting it. I need to see a $600 million contract. I need to see Shohei Otani get Well, that's a perfect dovetail into my next one, which is that Otani will not be an angel by the end of the year. Again, I don't even think that's bold. (laughs) Oh, by the end of the year. Uh, I misheard By the end of the year. He gets traded. The angels are out of contention, and they trade him mid-year for the biggest haul in MLB history. I think it would be smart. Makes the Juan Soto deal look like peanuts. Yeah, I think it would be smart of them to trade him. Um, Ryan, what about you? So last year, we saw Aaron Judge chase history. He was, you know, 60 home runs. That was the big, big hoopla. He does it again. Aaron Judge hits 60 home runs again, but he's not alone. Aaron Judge, Mike Trout have the greatest home run race in MLB history. Both of them surpass 60 home runs and baseball's back. Oh, let's do oh it. Let, let's juice the baseballs. Let's juice I'm the players. So here and let's that. go to war, baby. Let's do it. Steroids um, for the players, steroids for the balls, everything. Just you get juice. You get juice. Everybody gets juice. <laughs> um, all right. I'm gonna revisit a bold prediction that I had a couple weeks ago. It was on one of the player rankings uh pods that I did with Trey. Um, I'm going back to Texas. Corey Seager finishes top three in ALs. Uh, I almost said AL Cy Young. Now that would be bold. AL MVP uh, voting. Corey Seager top wow. three. Wow, that's I don't. I'm not that in on him at this point. But oh. sorry, who who did you say? Corey Seager. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for the validation, buddy. Uh, <laughs> all right, enough. Ryan or uh, Amanda, your final MLB bold prediction. Okay, so I don't know how bold this one is, but I know I picked Julio Rodriguez to win um, MVP this year. I am also, my other prediction is that he will win the home run derby this year after having been the the runner-up last year. So he's going to have a monster season, home run derby crown, bringing home the MVP hardware, and uh, the Mariners are going to win the World Series. Hmm. Where's the uh, all-star break this year? Seattle. It, yeah. Oh, okay. That's so of course it. he's in doing. Seattle. It. Yeah. Yeah. Of course exactly. he's doing. It. Okay. Because I got to tell you, watching Bryce Harper win it at NDC was like it was one of the coolest things I've ever personally witnessed as there. a sports fan. Yeah. Me Ryan too. dropped and a home was, run. Oh, that's a hard story. Right off the time dome. <laughs> <laughs> he's but never anyway, recovered. so yeah, so he wins it in in uh, in Seattle. In Seattle, I know they finally just broke their playoff drought, but they're going. They're doing the whole thing this year. Winning the whole damn thing. I like it. Ryan, your final MLB bold prediction. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways I'd go this. Um I was gonna say the Brewers sell at the deadline, but I've already said that. Not that bold. I thought Mariners win the West, not that bold. 
I was like, you know what? Rutschman wins MVP. Not that bold. But I'm going to, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick in Baltimore. This guy had an insane world baseball classic. I think he continues that. And we see the world know and respect the legendary Anthony Santander. He hits 55 home runs, wins AL MVP. Jesus. 55. Uh, well, he had 36 last year, so like he was, he's, you know, I'm usually right with you, right? When you make these outlandish predictions, but then you said 55 home runs and I, and, and you lost me. <laughs> so, I love it though. I love it. I, I mean, you, can, you can always count on Ryan to be bold. Um, so I was also about to go the Adley Rushman route, um, but I realized I did a Shohei one and then a Seager one. So I wanted to give an NL one. Um, so I'm going to go to the Mets. And it's not what you think. The Mets, Justin Verlander, and Max Scherzer combined pitched less than 110 innings this year. I want to see it happen. I Other love it time when bad things happen to Undefeated, the Mets. and mm-hmm. everyone's talking about how good the Mets are going to be. You have to realize that it's 162 games. And I know Verlander has been great and Max has been great too, but even Max, the guy who like went six years without missing a start or whatever it was, or an IL stint for the Nats, like he's missing time now too, because again, father time's undefeated. And I'm certainly not hoping that they get injured, but let's be real. Like if you're, but depending I am going on 40 to laugh olds, when it happens. I'm just, yeah. If you're depending on 40 year olds, you're going to get burned. So mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Bad things uh, happening to the Mets is among my, like my favorite genre. I, I can't get enough. I cannot wait for the return of Keeping Up with the Mets. That first Mets mm-hmm. series is going to hit like crack when Ryan does his uh, weekend review. Oh yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Ryan, we'll start with you for your first Nationals bold prediction. Um. I don't even know if it counts as a bold take, but I am homing it in. I don't think a single pitcher in the starting rotation, <laughs> all eight of them, has near end or four or five. I really don't. You can go past the five. I just don't see it. <laughs> just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Not just, a single pitcher on the whole staff. Like I just don't even see. I mean, you probably could say that, but there'll be one like there'll be one reliever. It's like a two seven year array, but I just I don't see it. I don't like this staff at all. <laughs> Amanda, what about you? Um, I don't know how bold this one is either. I'm going to say Strasburg gets his contract bought out and retires before the end of the season. Yeah, I think he does the the David Wright thing where mm-hmm. they you know bring him back for an inning. He he comes off to a standing ovation. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. We get we get a we get a little goodbye and then that's it. But I love Strasburg, one of my all time favorite pitchers, one of my all time favorite Nats. But man, it's it's time. Like he's never going to pitch again. We all know it. Like this yeah. this charade that we're playing is just frustrating. I all right. I was going to have one pitching related, but I think I have to let's go head to head with Ryan a little bit. I I can't count the five starter because I'm certainly not going to count on Chad. Cool. Corbin gray Gore Williams, all ERAs under four, seven, five. Shut up. Really? All right. I love it. Listen, four, seven, five is not good. I know (laughs) we are, but it is bold. So that's like it and throwing Corbin in there, like 
that took my uh, my parlay odds from like plus 200 to like plus 10,000 based mm-hmm. on how he's been. So, yeah. Remember when Trevor Rosenthal had an infinite ERA? Good times. And then he went to the next team and was like a dominant reliever. I know. It's so, it's so nuts, but that's still one of my like all time favorite things that ever happened was getting to so watch. Like, and it's still super funny. My favorite one is, uh, was it Jeremy Guthrie made the one spot start game oh, with like God. 10 innings or 10 runs <laughs> in a third, third of an inning and then disappeared off the face of the planet. That one was just hard to watch. Like I felt sorry for him. That was, that was, not... oh, that was must watch TV for me. Oh, I had a hard time even watching that. Like yeah. that you were just like, you know, God, just, just fake an injury. Please get him out. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. He's already, He's dead. already dead. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Ryan, your next bold prediction for the nationals. I mean, just saying the team would be good would be bold, but <laughs> you know, I, I like being a little spicy with it. So I'm going to say the Nats one all-star. They're only going to get one. Uh, it's going to be Thad Ward. <laughs> oh man i i mean if that ward is your one all-star like the season has gone even more off the rails than we could ever have imagined oh geez yeah well mm-hmm. that would be bold yeah, uh amanda, bold. amanda all right what since about i'm you? the cj abrams stand of the group this evening i'm gonna go with abram steals 40 bases uh, it's like it's bold right now, but I think this time next year we're gonna be like forty I bases is went nothing. Fifty, maybe yeah. I'll maybe I should make it. No, 50 no, no. Make it well, uh, I mean, feel free. It's, it's your, hard it's because your boldness, I really, but yeah, it's hard because you know forty seems like a big number with what we're used to. But I really, like I said, one of my other predictions was that the stolen bases are gonna be up hugely this year. So maybe forty won't seem that impressive. But I was like thinking fifty, but then that seemed like a big stretch. But yeah. Well, anyway, a whole bunch. A whole bunch. To, to borrow your phrase, that dovetails nicely into my bold prediction. And I will give partial credit to Michael Henney, who's a, a new writer we have over at District on Deck, who put a, a great piece out today about the Nationals' base running profile. Uh, Nationals, top 10 in MLB in stolen bases this year. Love they it. have a lot of speed on this team. Granted, that requires them to get on base. Like, mm. that's a huge if. But... Yeah. Because Why'd they you don't, have to ruin it? Because they don't have a lot of power, we're going to see a lot of singles. Mm-hmm. And obviously, first to second is the highest rate of stolen bases. When you don't see it a lot, obviously, from second to third or third to home. So I think because we're going to be a lot of singles merchants on the team, that will force us to be a little bit more aggressive on the base paths. And hopefully we can take advantage of these mm-hmm. new rules where pitchers can only step off a certain amount of times and throw over a certain amount of times that uh, and obviously the pitch clock that we can get you know to our advantage it's, and hopefully get some stolen bases with abrams and thomas and even alex call like has pretty good speed as well so i'm hoping these guys can really like make the most of it small ball is fun small ball that's that's what you got to do when you don't have any power in your lineup all right let's bring it home ryan your final bold prediction you know I haven't been bold enough for this team. And there's another sale going on in D.C. right now. And I think whoever doesn't get the commies, whatever group that might be, is going to be a little upset. So they're going to go on a tantrum, right? And they're going to buy the Nationals because they didn't get the commies. And Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez are going to stage a walkout because they're so upset. (laughs) And everyone in the front office walks out and quits. 
and then they changed the locks. Damn, <laughs> darn. <laughs> they like walk that. out and I'm popping champagne and smoking the finest Cuban cigar on this bald ass head. Right. <laughs> All right. My last one is that the never ending Masson saga finally gets resolved this year and the Nats get a bundle of money from the Orioles and the Orioles get completely shafted and the Angeloses have to sell the team and they relocate to another city. Hello, Nashville. <laughs> oh man. I That's mean, pretty bold. I predict likely, I'll win the lottery. <laughs> but I might just be saying things I want to happen instead of things that I think will happen. But I want bad things to happen to the Angeloses. They deserve nothing but bad things. All right. So coming into this episode. I, I knew having done this the show for four years now or five years, whatever it's been. However, or going into year five. I knew Ryan was gonna come ready. I knew he was gonna go bold. And it didn't turn into a try to be right thing anymore. It turned into I need to outdo Ryan. <laughs> and I don't know if I have done it. He he certainly came ready today, but I am doing it to the best of my ability. So here it goes. I will advocate for Victor Robles being on this team in 2024. That's as far as I can go. But it will be a complete turn from where I was before. And it won't feel great doing it. Is this a bold prediction? You're predicting a good year for Robles and then he's still here next year? Interpret it how you want. Oh, I see. You're unwilling to commit. I am unwilling to commit, but it is bold and I will not enjoy doing it. But I believe (laughs) there will be something in his play that warrants a shot in 2024. Wow. I don't even know what to say. I'm I'm taken aback. You know, between you saying reasonably nice things about Victor Robles and 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 Ryan saying nice things about Kyle Finnegan after he's his player to hate for no reason. I just I don't even know you guys anymore. Honestly, we might just have to end the show. It's a wrap. <laughs> we 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 lost our spark. <laughs> Ryan's got to go get blocked by players on Twitter. He's got to find his juju. Mm-hmm. Or their parents. <laughs> or, or their parents. <laughs> I'm desperately afraid for Elijah Green's dad. Because he's too active on Twitter for Ryan not to go oh, at him. <laughs> oh yeah, the the yeah the interaction. Did you hear how hard he was breathing in the video of him outside the hotel? I was kind of concerned for him. Oh, he was like recording yeah, see, Elijah. See, here it is. Like, concern trolling. It's already begun. It's <laughs> concern <laughs> trolling. Oh god. So. Oh well, this was a this was a doozy. How long was this? This was a long episode. It was almost two hours. Hey, if you're Covered still here, lot. thanks, guys. It's honestly wasn't hasn't. It's not our longest episode ever, so it's our longest episode in a while. But it's also the best episode every single it is. year. My favorite one of the year. All the predictions. It's the best yeah. one. Yeah. So, and that we does get it. real baseball before we meet again. That does it. Yep. So we're dropping this on Wednesday. So tomorrow, opening day, opening day, and then it's all downhill from there. And enjoy it. It's the most. It's the happiest you'll feel about the next <laughs> week. You guys and route got... to 51 and 111. We're doing yeah. it. 
Jeez, that yeah, that might be the boldest one of, of the night. I just didn't expect that from you. I'm so proud. Um, feeling, a right. little, feeling a little pessimistic. <laughs> you guys got anything else before we head out? Nope. Nope. Me neither. All right, guys. We appreciate you listening again. Uh, thank you for all your support. It's going to be a long season, but <laughs> we're in this together. In this together. So be sure to and check out. Loves company. Yeah. Be sure to uh, check us out basically everywhere. If it's internet, we're on it. We own it. Um, Halfstreethighheat.com, districtondeck.com, youtube.com, not slash halfstreethighheat. Learn that the hard way. Um, if like I was plugging that for a while, that does not work. The error message. So you have to search Half Street High Heat on YouTube, but you should already be subscribed. So if you're not, be sure to hit that bell, support Trey and all of his great work over there. Um, what else? Anything else I need to plug? No, I think that's it. Cool. So, oh, follow us on Twitter. Amanda at a white seven, eight, seven, seven, Ryan at, we are all Shaq myself at the coach moose in the show at half street high heat. We appreciate you listening once again and baseball is back. So go now. Let's go now. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's in every book let's go of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details